0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the
1: Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, have
0: you got your Bibles today? We're going to be going to the book of Romans in just a little bit. Romans, actually the eighth chapter. You can get ahead if you like. And today's lesson, my sermon is entitled, It's Life. I probably could have come up with a better title than that, but I don't, that that, that seemed good at the moment. It's life. And this morning, I want you to know that you can count the apples on a tree, but you cannot count the apples in a seed. So it is with the influence of a single person. One person sowing seeds. You cannot count the influence of what one person can do when they're willing to sow some God seeds in someone else's life. In a few moments, as I said, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, but let me first tell you the true story about a man named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham. Now, Mordecai was born in the year 1877. In April of 1877 that's a long time ago now and Mordecai Ham says in his testimony that he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior when he was eight years old and then when he was about 18 years old somewhere in the 1890s Mordecai enrolled in a university in Western Kentucky and there in Kentucky he was hoping to get an education, but a little bit later, he found himself in, in, uh, in, at about 20 years old. He found himself working. He had to go to work, and so he went to work at this photo enlarging firm where they enlarged photos. I mean, can you imagine that back in the late you know, 1890s? Working in a photo, were that many photos back then? A photo <laughs> enlarging firm in Chicago. And he worked there for a little while, and it was okay. And, uh, you know, but, but uh, he met this young girl named Bessie Simmons. And so when Mordecai was 23 years old, in the year 1900, in the month of July, Mordecai and Bessie got married. Oh, they were having a good time. You know, everything was going well. But Mordecai was feeling this, this evangelistic desire stirring in his heart. And he really wanted to be an evangelist, you know, but, but I mean, you know, I mean, you got to work to pay bills and make things, you know, work. But, but finally, in 1901, he got invited to hold his very first revival at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Mordecai Ham, man, he left Chicago, left the photo enlargement behind, and he went, and he had him a revival at Mount Gilead. Woo, it lit his fire. It did something to Mordecai. And so he just began holding revivals. He was traveling around, and, and then things were going well for a while. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was hard, you know. Things weren't really that easy, you know, in, in, in the early 1900s. And then something happened tragic happened in December the 4th 1905 Bessie died it really set him back a little bit but he didn't quit he didn't quit he kept on preaching the word and he kept on being an evangelist and he didn't let the tough times and the disappointments the hard times the tragedy the trauma all of those terrible things knock him down he kept on preaching the gospel and he preached and he preached he would he would preach anywhere that somebody would invite him and he would hold revivals built around repentance repent you know i mean it was i mean this guy held revivals that you may hear about but wouldn't want to go to he was the kind of guy that when he came into the city he would look around the city he would survey the city and drive around in the city and listen at the at at, you know at at the coffee place starbucks (laughs) he would find out who the worst sinners in the city was And then at nighttime, when he'd get up to preach, he'd call them by name. And he'd talk about their sin. I don't suggest you do this at home, by the way, but that's, that's, and he would just dare them to come out to his revival. And when they come, guess what? They get born again. He led so many hardened sinners to Christ in the early 1900s. Now, this is not a prescription for you, by the way. Don't anybody try this at home because it got him beat up a few times. Got him arrested and put in jail. It got him threatened constantly. Well, he was 31 years old when he met Annie Smith. They got married. They had three daughters and a son. And he just kept preaching, preaching, preaching. But he kind of wanted to be at home with his family and raise his family because he had four kids now. And and so so he was invited to, to become the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. 1927 he was 40 years old he accepted it and he went there and they lived there and he preached and he preached but he was kind of a hard preacher and so pastoring may not have been his forte he was kind of you know in your face and get born again get saved stop your sin you're sinning you stop look that I, I heard what you did you know you know i waited on your table <laughs> funny stuff huh well He lasted two years in that church. (laughs) 1929, he went back out on the circuit preaching revivals, evangelistic revivals, 42 years old. Man, during the next few years, he went wherever he was invited. I mean, he would just go anywhere, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, looking for the, the worst sinner in town, looking for the most well-known sinner, looking for the, the, the sin in the town that was that was keeping the town from being all that it could be. And he would re- demand that they change it. He would talk to the businessmen. He would talk to the schools. He would talk and say, listen, you need to get right with God. Like Noah, a preacher of righteousness, he would just come in. He loved the people. He cared about them, and he told them God. loved them and God had a plan for their life and they were better than this and they could do better than this and he would just see things change well Mordecai encountered quite a lot of opposition to his preaching as I said he endured threats and bodily assaults from town to town he was even arrested and put in jail by the police my goodness you know uh, when he named names and called them out they would often come to his revival get saved but there were two men that came to his revival because they were called out one of them was W.O. Saunders the other one was J.T. Ragsdale they didn't come to get saved they come to give Mordecai some problems in fact they followed him to every city he would go to he had offended them and they would follow him from city to city and they would hand out flyers and pamphlets and try to shut him down and tell people you don't want him here you know he, he's you know, I mean, <laughs> you know that's just what he had to put up with well In 1934, when Mordecai was 47 years old, a group of churches and a group of businessmen in Charlotte, North Carolina, invited Mordecai Ham to come and hold a revival. They even built a tabernacle. The town's folks turned out and the church turned out and the businessmen and they paid the money and bought the materials and they built this big tabernacle and they brought in sawdust and people hauled sawdust from the sawmill and made an old sawdust floor out there. They got ready for Mordecai Ham to come and preach a revival and to set their city free. Wow. He didn't mince his words. This revival drew thousands He preached two times every day, six days a week, morning and evening, and the revival lasted 11 weeks. My goodness. Well, a few months earlier, back in May of that year, there was a farmer lived outside of town. This farmer invited a group of businessmen out to his farm, and they stood out in one of his fields. In an open field under heaven, they joined hands, this farmer and these local businessmen, and they prayed to God. They prayed that God would do something with their community. They prayed that God would do something from their community. In fact, this is the prayer that is recorded that they prayed. They prayed that out of Charlotte, the Lord would raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Wow. Well, that farmer had a 15-year-old son. Now, the farmer and his wife were Christians, but they just couldn't get breakthrough to that young boy of theirs. He was a strapping young man, and and he liked to fight. And, you know, this, this was, you know. And so when the revival came to town some months later, and Mordecai Ham was preaching, you know, repentance and everything, oh, they wanted their son to come. They tried and tried and tried to get their 15-year-old son to just come to the revival, come to the revival, come on. But he wouldn't come. No matter what they did, he'd say, no, no, no. He said, everything I heard or read about this Mordecai Ham made me feel antagonistic toward him, toward the whole affair. It sounded like a religious circus to me. <laughs> you know, some people would imagine what we were doing this morning. It sounded like some religious circus to them. That's how he felt about that revival, and he just would not go. No matter what they did, it, it broke their heart. Mordecai Ham, in his usual fashion, looked around town to find out what the town needed to break that spirit off of that town so that people would come to Christ and be born again and 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 he looked around and he found out that across the street from the high school well that was all one school across the street from the school was a place that served lunch to boys and girls who would leave high school on their noon recess that's what they called it and they would go across there and and they would help them and feed them some lunch well, Mordecai found out that, that not only were uh, they, they feeding them lunch, it's recorded that they were also offering them some other pleasures, as he wrote. Now This became one of his whipping posts, if you will, for that city. He brought it to mind time and time again. Sin is going on in your city at the school and these students don't need to be exposed to this. And I boy, that angered the students. The students started getting together and talking about it. And rumors began to fly around as students were were, were just so angry. They said, we're going to get together and we're going to march down to to that revival. We're going to go down to that tabernacle. We're going to walk in and we're going to come up to the platform and we're going to cause a scene. In fact, we're going to injure that evangelist. We're going to hurt him. We're going to whoop him for talking bad about us, our school, our city and what we're doing over there in that house we're going to you know well with those rumors it kind of really incited a lot of things and and that 15 year old boy kind of got a little more interested in maybe going down there he liked to fight he he loved to fight he loved to see a fight and he was just waiting he was one of them it was stirring up and they were going to go down there and they were going to you know take over that revival and they were going to run that preacher out of town these high school students well (laughs) It ends up that as the rumors continued to grow about the students marching on this tabernacle, this young man's parents kept on asking him to go. He kept saying no. He was wondering, how in the world can I save face if I show up down there? But as things happen, a friend of the family came to their house one day and when he was there he was talking to this young 15 year old boy and he said listen why don't you come down there to that tent meeting and see that fighting preacher that boy said that preacher likes to fight (laughs) he said yeah he said oh I like a fighter I might just go down there when the students go down there and I might just go along with them you know well the man said listen I tell you what, if you'll go tonight with me, I will let you drive my pickup truck. The one I deliver vegetables with. He was a vegetable farmer. I'll let you drive my pickup truck and we'll run around this community and we'll pick up some other good old boys, a lot of them good old boys, and we'll take them down there with us. He said, sounds like a deal to me. (laughs) So enticed by his friend and offered an opportunity to drive a pickup truck into town, This young 15-year-old boy said, yeah. Boy, they got in that pickup truck and he drove around and picked up a lot of his friends. Filled that whole back of that truck up. He said he filled it up with white boys and black boys. We were on our way to the tabernacle. (laughs) We're going to set things straight. (laughs) He went down to see a fight. When Mordecai, began to preach that night. That 15-year-old son of a praying North Carolina farmer sat spellbound. Later he recounted in his writings, in some indefinable way, he was getting through to me. I was hearing another voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't get away from it. He came back the next night. And he came back the next night, and he brought a friend with him, and he came back the next night. He couldn't get away from it, but he said, listen, while I was sitting there out there listening, I loved his fiery stories, and and I loved the way he talked about the things, and I loved his fiery passion, but he would point that bony finger right at me. It seemed that everything he said was pointed right at me. He said, I got so tired of having that finger, that old bony finger pointing at me. He said, "I, I, I, I felt guilty. I felt, you know... My my sins, I I was rebellious, I was sinful, but I didn't want to change. He said, Finally, I said to my friend, Listen, we got to find a way where we're not always sitting right in front of him. Wherever we sit, it looks like we're right in front of him. So they cooked up an idea. They said, What we'll do, we'll join the choir. We don't know the songs. But there's a songbook we can hide our face behind the songbook and we can just open and close our mouth. And then when he starts to preach, we get to sit behind him and he can't be pointing at us. And so they did that. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that funny? Sounded like a good idea to them. But a few weeks into the meeting... Just a few days short of his 16th birthday, Billy Graham remembers Dr. Mordecai Ham Quote Romans 5, 8. And that young 15-year-old Billy Graham on November the 1st of 1934, stepped up out of that choir and came around on that sawdust floor and gave his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. Here's a picture. Here's a picture of the decision card that Billy Graham filled out that night in that altar. Billy Graham. <laughs> Gonna make Jesus my Lord and Savior. <laughs> wow. <laughs> ah, what a deal. You know, that 15 year old Billy Graham was the answer to the prayer that his daddy and those businessmen had prayed some eight months earlier standing out in a field in Charlotte, North Carolina praying that God would raise up somebody from Charlotte. The most, the most <laughs> unlikely thing ever would raise up someone from Charlotte, North Carolina to carry the gospel from, from there to the ends of the earth.
1: <laughs> Whew.
0: Billy Graham said, no one ever thought it would be me. No one ever thinks it might be them. Just as sure as Billy Graham was the answer to prayer, so are you. You are the answer to someone's prayer. People all around us need Jesus. And how shall they know unless someone tells them? Unless someone encourages them. Unless someone finds some common ground through which they can bring them one step closer to Jesus. Unless someone builds a tabernacle. Unless someone hauls the sawdust or the concrete in to make a place for the Word of God to go forth. How's anyone ever going to know, the Apostle Paul said, if somebody doesn't tell them? Yeah. No one ever thinks it's going to be them. But someone's been praying for God to raise up moms and dads, sons and daughters, preachers and teachers, evangelists and witnesses to take the gospel from right here in Southeast Texas to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody has to sow the seeds. In order for God to bring the harvest, will you be that Mordecai Ham for someone else? Who will endure the hardships, the disappointments, the losses, the threats, the injuries? To still stand and declare that God is a good God and He has a plan for our life. And He will save the worst sinner. No one is beyond His reach. No one is too bad, too burly for God to reach out and save them. Who is it? Who is it that you believe will never darken the doors of this church? (laughs) can't you find some common ground? Can't you be the one that sows the seed? Can't you be the one that offers the opportunity no matter how many times they've said no? Let me tell you, they are not too far for God to reach. They are not too hard, not too bad for God to love and care about and bring into his house. Time fails me right today. I'm looking at face after face of people that are the result of somebody else bringing you here. That's the way it works. See, God's goodness is to the lost. Who will dare to be that? preacher of righteousness that will just stand up and say this is right this is wrong God loves you has a plan for your life won't you come to Jesus in the years after giving his life to Jesus Billy Graham preached to more people in live audiences than anyone else in history sitting in front of him in live audiences there have been more than 215 million people In 185 countries, listening to him on television and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ on TV, he's reached more than 2.2 billion people that he has personally sown the seeds of God's kingdom, God's love, and God's plan for their life into their life. And he's asked them one thing. He's asked them, come to Christ. Come to Jesus. Give him your life. He will take you just as you are. One of those people who went to a Billy Graham meeting, walked down an aisle and gave his life to Jesus, is sitting right there in that front row, Mike Dacey. Strung out on drugs, rock and roll. He invented rock and roll. Played with the Mamas, the Papas, the Beach Boys, the Bee Gees, with Frank Sinatra, with Michael Jackson, with Elvis Presley, his 68 comeback. You'll see him there. I mean, you know, uh, from, from Bulldogs and Butterflies to Cosmic Cowboy with Barry McGuire. That's him. I, I, time fails me to tell you some things about him. Probably better off. Better off. There's some good stuff. He had to fight his way. Can I say that? I'll never forget. Can I do it? Okay. We're
1: in Missouri. We're, we're in Missouri and I did some assembly programs in the schools. And I had all the students. I said, y'all know who the drug dealers are in the school. I said, you stand up and point them out. The principal's over there writing their names down. (laughs) Then he called the FBI, and they came, and they started busting all these people. And so we did a a follow-up concert on a truck out out in the middle of town, and Kathy's up there singing, away, my captain. And the rain thundered and the lightning hit and the pouring rain started coming down and this guy in a leather jacket started coming up toward the platform. We'd already prayed. We got all them kids saved in the school. Every time we did a school, we prayed in the school and we prayed for their salvation. Amen. Entire, entire classes would get saved. But this guy's coming up there And he's got a gun in his pocket. And he was the drug dealer that was in charge of that whole operation in that town. And he's going to shoot me. And he's going to shoot the pastor. And probably Kathy, too. This was not an isolated incident. We did it in Kentucky, we did it in Washington D.C., we did it in Washington State. Gangs would come and get saved. You get the leader of the gang saved and you get all of them. They'd have a big fight, and there's glass and crap everywhere. They'd come up to that truck afterwards. And this guy's got this gun out and he's coming up here to the, to the truck gonna shoot us. Billy Graham's my hero, one of them. You know. Him and David and <laughs> Pastor Ron. This guy gets right up next to the stage and he falls down on his knees and he drops the gun and he gives his life to Jesus and the tears and the rain are mixed. Glory to God. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. Thank you for giving your life to Jesus. Oh, man. My honor. (laughs) And your heart. Amen. Thank you. But you know, what he tells in his testimony of all the things he's done for Jesus was since Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus is not afraid of sinners. As I was about to say, he had to fight his way out of the Manson family. A lot of experiences. A lot of experiences. God was not afraid of a man who was drugs, alcohol, sex, rock and roll, every, as far as you could go that direction. <laughs> and he gave his heart and his life to Jesus. Because Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody dared to say to a strapping 15-year-old farm boy who was a fighter and who didn't want to go to revival, he found a way to get him down and set him in front of a Johnny Appleseed who sowed seeds into his life and told him night after night about a God that loved him and had a plan for his life. Don't count people out. Don't imagine they're too far gone, that they're too bad. He'd tried everything. He and Kathy, they had tried every other religion there is from the Hindu to the Shindu i mean everything you can imagine they went everywhere looking for some power that would set their minds free and give them hope and they ran right into billy graham's jesus have you ever seen somebody in a goatskin shirt playing a sitar and playboy mansion don't, uh, if you don't recognize him, <laughs> beetle haircut. Okay. Get to know this man. He got some wonderful testimonies and they're all about deliverance and how God uh, can bring you out. No matter where you are, how deep you've gone, what you've done in life, God knows where you are, knows your name. He has a plan for your life. Amen. Well, let me tell you for certain that all of these years when Billy Graham has been preaching and, and all the things that he did might not have happened had it not been for Mordecai Ham. If it not been for Mordecai, enduring his hardships, enduring the trauma and the pain of life, disappointments, and yet he kept going, He just kept on preaching and talking about a good God that loves you and has a plan for your life. It might not have happened had it not been for Billy Graham's praying father that was willing to call a bunch of businessmen out to his farm and for them to stand there in May of 1934 and pray that God would do the unlikely, the impossible and raise up somebody from Charlotte, North Carolina to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. It might not have happened had it not been for those businessmen in those churches that were willing to take a risk on an evangelist and invite him into a community and to pay the bills. It might not have happened had it not been for those who came and labored day after day to build that tabernacle, those who carried the sawdust in and out. It might not have happened had it not been for those who were willing to attend night after night, morning and night, day after day, week after week continuing to come and play the piano and sing the songs. And then, and, and, you know, it might not have happened had it not been for all of those who were willing to just get out in the cold October, November weather of Charlotte in 1934. Have you found the book of Romans yet? That's where we started to go. Romans the 8th chapter, y'all remember? This is the scripture that Billy Graham heard that night that caused him to get up out of his seat and come down forward. And it's this scripture Billy Graham said that he has used in his crusades. 185 countries, 212 million people face-to-face 2.2 billion through television and worldwide ministry. This is the scripture, he says, that first spoke to him and has carried him through all of his ministry. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. They don't get too bad. They don't get too big for God to save. Who is it? Who is the, the biggest, baddest, worst person you can imagine? Well, you just need to pray and sow a few seeds. Maybe find some common ground. Maybe find what works. Get them in front of. The preaching of the word. It, it took Billy Graham night after night after night after night. But God broke that hard shell. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. you can be the one that tells somebody else yes. this week. <clears throat> Billy Graham said this. God has done everything possible to provide salvation. But we must reach out in faith and accept it. Today I'm simply asking you to reach out. Reach out in faith and accept what God has worked so hard to give us. Salvation and an opportunity to be a witness to others. You can do this. You've been commissioned. You can do this. This morning, perhaps you're here and you're not sure that you're saved. Maybe you've been sitting in church, but it's a, it's a different thing to go to church and to come to Jesus. It's a different thing to know about Him. And to invite him into your house. You can sit in church all of your life, but the Bible clearly says that you must be born again. Without respect to the road you have walked on, whether you're high in life or low in life, whether you're a mom, a dad, husband, wife, a friend, wherever you are, you need to come to Jesus. If you have never purposefully asked Jesus into your heart, today you can be saved. It's very simple. Jesus did the hard part and all He left you with is the sincere application of believing, asking, and receiving. That's all. Today, if you recognize that you need a Savior, and believe me, you do. Your today might be okay, but what will your eternity look like? Today, if you recognize that you need a Savior, here or there, then today is your day. All you have to do is be willing to turn your life over to him. That's an act. No one can do it for you. It's a decision. Your mama can't do it. Your preacher can't do it. Your rabbi can't do it. Your priest can't do it. Your imam can't do it. Your guru can't do it. Your spouse can't do it. No one can do it for you. You must be born again. You turn your life over to Him and simply say to Him, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe. I accept you by faith. You've done everything possible to bring salvation to me. I reach out in faith. And I accept it. I receive it. I do not know how God does it. He does require that you ask. He does require that it be a personal coming to Christ. But he will save your soul. He will put his seal upon your soul. You will never face eternity in hell. You'll never face a day in hell. You will be saved. It only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It won't come because you're the President of the United States. It won't come because you're a poor widow. It won't come for any other reason other than you. Believe upon the name of the Lord and ask Him into your life you can do that today Won't you bow your head right now and consider in your own heart am I saved not am I a member of a church not am I a good person not do I give money am I nice to dogs nothing else but have I asked Jesus to become my personal Lord and Savior. Nothing else works. Pray with me right now, will you? Pray with me right now. Just say this with me. Say it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Some of the Some of the rest of you who are saved, you need to say it along with us so people won't feel so conspicuous. Like Billy Graham's family friend, entice them to come along with you a little bit. Just say this, you there watching? Just say this, mean it in your heart. The words won't make any difference if you don't mean it, but God's touching you right now, just like he touched Billy. Say this, make this your prayer. It's what Billy did when he came to the altar. Say this with me. God, come on everybody, God, I believe that you sent Jesus, your son, to die on the cross for my sins. Right now, I turn my life over to you. I'm sorry that I have failed you. I give you my life. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus, be my Savior. Teach me your word. Guide me in life. I receive you now as my personal Lord and my personal Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me of my past. And make me whole. Show me how to live. I will tell everyone that I am a Christian. I am born again. I am saved by the name of Jesus. God, I will sow seeds of the kingdom in other people's lives. Thank you for saving me. Help me now. Grow me. To be a better witness in the name of jesus amen and amen now give the lord a hand clap yes thank you lord